All right. Well, good morning, family. Good morning. Good morning, family. Good morning. Pray that you guys had a good Thanksgiving on Thursday. Hope you ate a lot of good food and got to spend some time with, with, with family. Um, so we are thankful for you, and I definitely thank Pastor Rich and Pastor Donna for allowing me to have the opportunity to stand before you and speak this morning. I always count as an opportunity because, you know, he doesn't have to give us that, uh, but he chooses to do so. And, and Pastor Rich, in case you don't know him, um, oh, in case you don't know me first, my name is John Miller. I'm associate pastor here. Hello, everybody. Uh, pastor Rich is one of those leaders that he's like, look, I don't have to be in front. People don't have to see me all the time. You know, I, I need for you guys to go and you guys to do because you guys need to learn you need to do it. And so I'm definitely grateful for him and that. So, sir, thank you so much. And so today we're actually starting a brand new series uh, called, uh, called The Promise. We're going to talk about uh, what the promise, meaning Jesus, means for us and what he does for us and what he did for us, and also how Mary responded to getting the news from the angel Gabriel saying that you're going to be pregnant with the baby. Although you're a virgin, nobody's going to touch you, but you're going to be pregnant. So we're, we're, we're going to talk about that. And when we were actually reading the the Advent um, scripture, it, something actually hit me that, that I was just looking. I was like, oh, wow. There was a part on the verse that said that she says, well, how is this going to happen? Gabriel said, well, the Lord or, or the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and then he's going to overshadow you. And I looked at that word overshadow. and I was like, oh, my God, like I never really paid attention to that before. You guys know when somebody overshadows you, it covers you. Right. It protects you. It, it keeps you away from what could be. Or what would have been. And so when I seen it, I was like, oh, man. So even in this, in, in this great situation, but also was a bad situation, because in that day, it could, have been, it could have been fatal for her. The Holy Spirit, God, overshadowed her to make sure that she was safe and that the promise was going to come. Man, that was so great. And I seen it, I was like, oh, man, that, that is so good. And so I, I want to get into this word today. And so let's go straight into it. Um, 45 million, 789, 558. To most of you, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, what in the world is that number? Well, the CDC did a study, and that's the number of abortions that was had from 1970 until 2015. 45 million. And that was four years ago. And so how different would life be if those statistics and if that was as, as known and as, I guess, as big as it is now in the first century? What could the possibility have been of Mary saying, hey, I'm in this very precarious situation right now, and I don't know what's going down because if I go back to those people who said they love me, they might kill me. My family might ostracize me. I don't know what's going to happen. What, how different would life be if she had have made that decision? What would life have meant for every last one of us? And so in our text today, we're, we're, we see how, we get to see how God places the weight of his redemption plan on the back of an unborn baby and what Mary's response is. So let us go straight into the scripture. The book of Luke, chapter 1, starting at verse 46. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this amazing day. We thank you as we are beginning this Advent season, God, that we will remember, God, that you are coming back for your people. And we thank you so much for that, God. And so we pray this morning, God, that all hearts will be open and minds will be clear and that we will be able to receive everything that you have for us, God. I'm just your vessel. I ask that you speak through me today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So this scripture, these verses that we heard, is not just a verse. They're not just scripture and just words. It's actually a song. As a matter of fact, people actually call this Mary's song. And in and, and, and Latin, the word is magnificat, which actually means magnificent, because in the first words, couple, first couple words in that, she says the Lord is magnificent. Uh, uh, he's holy. Um, and so that, that's what it actually means. So this song actually comes at a time in which uh, Israel um, had had went 400 years without hearing a prophetic word from God. Can, can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine that, that you're hearing from God, then all of a sudden God shuts up and doesn't say anything prophetically to you for 400 years? And so at this time, um, the spiritual leaders of that day was kind of, they were, they were even stuck in traditionalism, the where they just did what they did because it was a traditional thing to do. But not only was they stuck in tradition, they were also stuck, some of them, in, 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 in kind of this um, uh, some, not all, but they're also stuck in corruption. And so this song of, of, of Mary actually echoed Hannah's song in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It's actually filled with praise and also filled with thanksgiving. This also reminds me and shows me something in here. So Mary is singing a song, quoting scripture of something that happened in the Old Testament which lets me know that Mary knew the word of God. And, 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 and it brings another question for me also that I want to ask you. How much of the word of God do you know? And if you needed to recite this word at this time, could you remember it? And so we have to make sure that, that although we're living in the New Testament age, that we're not also disincluding the Old Testament scripture. Because you can't have the Old Testament without the New Testament, and you can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament, because all of it is speaking of Jesus. And if you discount any part of Jesus, you're discounting Jesus. And we cannot do that, and so we have to make sure that we are in our Word and that we know what the Word of God is and what the Word of God says. And so I really like this because Mary hid God's Word. He hid, she hid the truth of God's Word in her heart, and she turned it into a song of worship. Which brings me to my first point, that God's truth should be succeeded with worship. God's truth and God's word should be succeeded with worship. Verse 46 and 49 says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I love verse 47 because she says, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now here we have the mother of the Savior of the entire world. 
says in this verse that I rejoice in God my Savior. She was smart enough to understand that she still needed a Savior, which lets me know that Mary wasn't perfect when God used her. And so for some of us, maybe we're sitting around and we're saying, God, you can't use me because I'm not perfect. You can't use me because of the family that I grew up in. You can't use me because of what I did 10 years ago last year. To you, I would say, God can use anybody if he so chooses. If he can use Mary, who says, yes, I rejoice in my Savior because I need to be saved. He can also use you. And so Mary submitted to God. If you look at verse 38, she says, look, let it be according to your word. Now, this is one thing is, is I love this simple phrase because what it, what it tells me is that it was easier for Mary to worship because she submitted to the, the one she was worshiping. Hmm. And so what word has God given you that you need to worship him for? God has all given us a word. He gave Mary this pregnant word. Mary, listen, you're about to be the mother of the Savior of the entire world. What has he given you? that might be too big for you in order to see it to come to fruition. But you only know that he's going to be the only one that's able to bring this to pass. You need to remember that word. Because some of us got words maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we forgot about it because it hasn't happened now. We think that it's not going to happen. But whenever I read my Bible, the Bible says that everything that God speaks into the atmosphere will not come back to him void. But it will complete that thing in which he sent it out to do. And so that's telling me that if he gave you a word 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it's going to come to pass. You just have to be patient, and you have to walk out the process. I love the simple fact that eventually Mary said, okay, let it be unto me as you say, according to your word, according to your will. I submit everything over to you. But there was a process that had to happen. Now, just because God told her, the angel Gabriel came and told her that you were going to be pregnant with the Messiah, with the Savior, she didn't just all of a sudden have a big belly and whoosh, here comes Jesus all of a sudden. <laughs> There was a process that she had to walk out. Okay, she still had to go through the same natural birthing process that mothers do. She had to walk, she had to walk that thing out. And so for nine months, she carried this baby. She, 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 she rejoiced in the word that she got even before the baby was in her. That, that's good right there. And some of us should have said, yep, I need to learn to do that right now. Maybe the word hadn't come out right now, but the word is there. Because God placed it and you should rejoice God for that word even now. The, the one, one mistake that we constantly make is we constantly think that I'm truly worshiping God when I haven't fully submitted to him. We think that I have fully worshiped God when we have never even fully submitted to God. Right. Worship is not worship if you don't submit to the one you're worshiping first. When we magnify God in our own lives, it takes the magnifying glass off of us, and it takes the magnifying glass off of our problems, and it allows us to give proper worship to the proper God, and then we stop idolizing all of those things who originally had our attention. That's what happens. Is anything that gets more attention than God, you're making that an idol, and that's what you are worshiping. And so what true worship does, whenever I submit everything over to him, is I'm taking the focus now off of those problems and off of everything else, and I'm putting it on who needs to have it. And that's God. That's Jesus. Because your problems can't do anything for you but bring you more problems. But Jesus can eradicate all those problems and make your life be meaningful. And so why not worship the one totally and fully 
who can take care of your whole entire life. See, Mary's desire should be, our desire should be just like Mary's desire, and that's to magnify the Lord. See, she uses this phrase, and I'm going to go and actually read them for you. Eight different times in this scripture, he has. She's talking about God. He, he has because she remembered all the things that God has done for her. She probably remembered all the things that God has said to her. And some of us maybe need to have a he has in our spirit. You need to remember what he has done for you. Let's look at this. In verse 48, it says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. In verse 49, for he is mighty, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. What has God done for you? And what he has done for you, do you continue to remember and praise him for what he has done? Because I know a lot of people say this. A lot of people say, oh, well, don't just live on your past successes. And you know what? I agree. I agree with that. Because my tomorrow is going to be better than whatever came into my life yesterday because God doesn't just stop at a success he gave me 10 years ago. He capitalizes on that which he did 10 years ago. And so I know that God has done this, but are you just living on that what he has done and not looking to what God is going to continue to do? We have to make sure that we are rejoicing and praising God for what he has done. Psalm 115 and 1 says this. It says, we don't deserve praise. The Lord alone deserves all the praise because of his love. And faithfulness. God is waiting for your praise. God is waiting for your worship. See, worship is the very thing that connects God to his people. Worship can also be the very thing that connects God's people to God's people. Because worship, it's a universal language that everyone can understand. It's, it's, and it's with that understanding that we see this here, and this is my second point. God's mercy is for everyone. God's mercy is for everyone. See, whenever, whenever, we, whenever we rid ourselves and, and we stop looking so much into ourselves and so much into our things, and we do exactly what Mary said is, God, let it be unto me according to your word. Now I'm ridding myself of selfishness and I'm allowing everything that I have to worship him. And whenever I'm able to worship him, he's willing and freely to show me mercy. But not only does he show me mercy, he shows mercy to everyone. Luke 1 1 and 50 through 53 says this. It says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. This is a generational thing. And I love that. We've been in this generations campaign for a little while now because we, we believe in the generations. And God's mercy doesn't just stop with Pastor Rich. God's mercy continues to flow to our younger generations. Yes. And when they get older, it'll flow to their younger generations. Yes. And when they get older, it'll flow 
to their younger generations. You see, God, God's, God's mercy, and when God gives things, it, it, reminds me of, it reminds me of something like a river. It has a continuous flow. Right. It, it just keeps on going and keeps on giving. and It just keeps going, and, 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 and there's these little canals that, that, that also flow in to make this big river, and they just keep on flowing and keep on building and keep on giving, and it never stops. Right. That's what God's mercy does for us is it keeps going and it keeps flowing and it never stops. And so some of you may be like, hey, listen, John, listen, I, I did too much stuff in my life. I just don't think that God really loves me like that. I don't think that I'm, I'm capable of showing mercy. Well, are you living? Are, are you breathing? Are you in the building today? If you're in the building today, then God has shown you mercy because he didn't have to do it. Now, John, what, what is mercy? Mercy is him not giving us what we should have. All of us should be dead right now. On our way to hell. But he showed us mercy. He sent his son, Jesus, to take our place. And our response should be to worship him. I'm not talking about just the kind of worship. God, just thank you so much. You just, you, you just, no, listen, if, if you're thankful for what God did for you, then give him a grateful and a thankful praise with the fruit of your lips. Yeah. Open your mouth and say yeah. something to him. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do it here in front of everybody, but by God, let him know how well you think he is. Yeah. Let him know how great you think he is. Tell him who he is. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. The Bible says that he is our strong tower. He is our deliverer. The Bible, he is our healer. Let him know. He already knows it, but he wants you to tell him. So we have to learn to, we have to, learn to worship God. But, but may, maybe some of you are saying, listen, John, it, it's, it's so easy for me to worship God. Whenever he comes and tells me that, hey, I'm about to make you pregnant with the Savior of the world. That's real easy because, look, now I'm somebody. But you have to look at the story of Mary. In society's eyes of where Mary was, and even from the, from the outside looking in, Mar Mary was considered a nobody. The man she was betrothed to, Joseph, was considered a nobody. She didn't marry into money. She wasn't going to marry into somebody who had a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden, here comes this angel saying, hey, God told me to come and tell you that you're going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. And you're going to give birth to him, and this is his name that you're going to call him. So it lets me see, lets me know that although you may think you're a nobody, God says you're a somebody. And out of your, this is not a word, I promise it's probably not a dictionary, but out of your nobodiness, God is going to place a something and a somebodyness inside of you to give to the world. Because not only did God impregnate Mary with something supernatural, he also impregnates you with something supernatural. Some of you men are like, look, hold on, player. <laughs> hold on, you know, <laughs> no, we, ain't, we ain't having no babies. And I understand that. But listen, God has given you a word. And that's what he impregnated you with. And maybe you're probably thinking like, well, why hasn't this word come true? Why don't I feel like Mary did? Well, that's, that's your fault. And that's your problem because she grabbed hold of the word. And she says, let it be unto me according to your word. If God has given you a word, what if you said, well, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word? But it may not be 
tomorrow that it happens. It may not be next week that it happens because there's a process that has to be worked out. And what if I told you that maybe one of the reasons that your word hadn't come to fruition yet is because God has taken you on a journey to rid you of stuff. and He's also taken you on a journey to build you up. Because what if there's something inside of you to where your character won't be able to handle that word whenever it does pop out? What if you're asking God for this job, but you're lazy at what you're doing now? What if you're asking God to elevate you in certain areas, but you're not even responsible at the place that he has you at now? So now he has us on this journey that he's walking us around and he's taking us on these little journeys because whenever I get to this stuff, okay, now he's made me stronger. And that thing that I did have is all of a sudden off of me. And now I'm stronger. So if it comes back again, look, I'm not going to pick that thing back up because that's what we do a lot of the times is we go on this journey. God, you know, helps us with this stuff and we release that pack and drop it off. And then all of a sudden, because it's familiar, we want to go back and pick it back up and put it back on. But that's not the baby that God wants you to birth. He's trying to get you rid of that. What if I also told you that God is trying to help you to to get rid of people out of your life who's not going to speak into that word that God gave you? Now, look, God gives Mary this word. He says, you're going to be pregnant. And Mary leaves after she says, let it be unto me according to your word. And the Bible says in the sixth month, she went to her cousin Elizabeth and told her cousin Elizabeth what happened. And the Lord told Elizabeth that Mary was going to be pregnant. And it said that when they got there, they rejoiced together and they encouraged one another. And this is what Elizabeth said to Mary. She says, oh, you. And I'm going to put my little spin on. She says, oh, my goodness. (laughs) You are blessed among women. What if the reason why your word hadn't come to fruition yet is because you're still around those people telling the same word and they try to discourage you and say that this is never going to happen. But to you, I would tell you to tell them, well, it may not happen for you, but my God told me it's going to happen for me. Therefore, I know it's going to be. So God takes us on a journey you know my sister was a while back she had this this pregnant word and she was just praying my sister's a prayer warrior and she just believed that God told her that she was going to get a new house. She didn't know how, didn't know when, didn't know where. But she had worked with this lady <clears throat> whose mother had died, and mother and dad both died last year, and then six months later, her only brother died. And so she didn't understand what was going on. And so then my sister kind of became her spiritual advisor, kind of helping her along her way and, 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 and helping her through her journey of, of, of recovery and, 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 and grieving and, and getting back to her healthy state. And um, the lady tells my sister, she says, um, I think her name is Linda. If I'm wrong, it's Trina. If you ever watch this, I'm probably wrong, so don't even. That's my sister's name is Trina. And so I'm just going to say Linda. And so L- Linda tells my sister Trina, she says, um, have, you, have you thought about getting a new house? And my sister said, yeah, I've actually been praying for it. She says, huh, well, I'm about to build a new house. And um, I have 
this house because where, where, her, where she stayed at and where her, her mom and dad and her brother stayed, uh, there's like her house, there's two lots in between, and then there's this other house, and they owned all of it. And she says, well, let, let me pray on it because I'm, I'm thinking I would like you in the house. And so she goes to pray for it, and uh, she comes back a week later, and she says, yeah, I, I just really feel like that, 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 you need, that you need to have this house. She says, uh, let's talk about how we can make this be. And remember, my sister, she's pregnant with this possibility of a new house. She felt that she heard God tell her that it's time. I'm going to bless you. You're going to get a new house. And so they said, okay, you know, let's talk about the numbers and all of that kind of stuff. And she says, well, what do you think it's worth? And my sister said, I don't know. Let me pray about it. And so my sister comes and tells us, hey, guys, I need you to really be praying for me. You know, I had this dream. I really felt like that God was telling me, like, it's like $75,000, $75,000, you know, for this house. And so about a week later, <clears throat> after my sister had this dream and she prayed, this, this pregnant word, you know, was this pregnant word, because God gives us pregnant words. If he impregnates us with word, the word is not supposed to stay inside of us. It's supposed to come out, right? And so she worshiping God. Thank you for this. You know, because she's one of those people that she prays. She's like, look, God, if you tell me this, and if I pray for it, there is no doubt in my mind that it's going to happen. That's just the kind of prayers that she has. And so she was praying, and she goes up to the lady uh, a week later. Um, now, keep in mind that she actually told us a couple days before she went and seen the lady. And the lady says, I'm just feeling like $75,000. And at this time, this lady's like, look, I don't think I hear from God anymore. She says, oh, no, you hear from God. You, you hear from God. That's exactly, exactly what I heard. And, and I prayed about that $75,000. And so this lady looks at her. She says, you know, not only am I going to give you this three-bedroom, two-bedroom house for $75,000. This is in Oklahoma. Okay, so houses aren't too terribly expensive, depend on where you're at. She says, I'm, but I'm going I'm to sell you for $75,000, this three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, and also the two-bedroom, two-bathroom house that I lived in, and all of the lots for $75,000. So not only did she get one house that she was praying for, but God doubled that thing up, and now she has two houses and two empty lots. And connected to that house, to those houses, is this shed in the back full of riding lawnmower equipment, brand new stuff, full of power tools that have never even been opened. Not only that, she looks at my niece, my sister's daughter. Her name is Destiny. She says, Destiny, do you need a car? And Destiny says, yes, ma'am. She says, <laughs> she says, well, I have this Hyundai Santa Fe out here that I'm not driving anymore. It was my brother's, but he's no longer with us, and I'm not going to do anything with it. She says, do you want it? And my niece is like, yes, 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 I want it. And she says, well, hey, look, uh, your payment is going to be because I, I go out of town uh, at least once a month. And so what I need for you to do for your payment is whenever I'm out of town, just come over and take care of my cats for me. That's it. That's your payment. Not only that, because she's pregnant with this word that God has given her. Mary is pregnant with the Savior of the world, right? And so Mary is already living this life as if he's already here, even though he's not. And so my sister is praying and living out this thing that she already has, even though she doesn't have it yet. This lady tells her, well, okay, this is what your payments are going to be. And until you get this paid off, I'm going to keep the insurance on this house. Destiny, as long as you drive this car, I'm going to keep the insurance on this car. And for some of us, we just stop because our word 
hadn't come to fruition just yet. But it lets me realize something. That God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. He's a covenant God. He's a promise-keeping God. At the end of Mary's song, she's thanking him for being a promise-keeper. Because God promised Israel that he would send a Savior. And he's keeping his promise by bringing a Savior through Mary. And God never fails us. He always does exactly what he says he'll do. God never changes and he never makes mistakes. You are not a mistake. God's love for you has never changed. God's hope for your future has never changed. God has never given you something that said, oops, wrong person. But God loves to give gifts. And a lot of us have so much potential in the side of us that if it would all come out now, it would be scary. But that's why he's God and we're not. James reminds us of this. He says, every good and perfect gifts, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, God will do exactly what he said he'll do, and he'll be exactly who he said he'll be. His word will not come back to him void. Here's the good news. That promise, that baby is here. The good news is he's not a baby anymore. He's the savior of the world. And now that promise that God promised to Abraham that he promised David, that he talked about in the Old Testament, all of a sudden is here today, the promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so you may feel as if the promise that God has given you is not going to come to fruition, it's not going to come to pass. To you, I would tell you, just hold on to the word. To you, I would tell you to learn how to worship God in the middle. 
to y'all, I tell you to learn how to worship God in the process. Because when we learn to worship God in the middle of that process, we learn to put him in his proper place, and it's easier for him. Listen, you don't know who God has on, who God has on your mind or, or, or whose mind you're on right now. And that may be the very thing that God has to propel you forward. And so if God is going to use somebody to help you get to your destiny, he's going to use somebody to help you get to your destiny. You just have to make sure that whatever word that he gave you, that you're holding on to it, that you look up to him, you say, God, let it be unto me according to your word. This is not me. This is all about you. That's what we have to do. And some of you are sitting here today, you're like, man, I don't see how that's going to happen. You don't know where I've been or where I come from. You don't know how I grew up. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I said just before I came into the church. I can't stand my husband and wife right now. Like, how, how, like how's he going to make this promise come fulfilled in my marriage? Because he's a covenant-keeping God. He honors covenants. And he'll build them if you put in the work. If you worship him in the middle of the process, he'll build it. And so listen, God promises you that he'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. That's a promise you can hold on to. God promises that he will always love you and never love you any less regardless what you do. God promises that he will care for you no matter who you are, no matter where you come from. He'll love you. Let us all stand. And so maybe you have some things on your heart or maybe even in your mind you're wrestling and you're battling back and forth and you're saying, man, I, I, I just don't know how this is going to happen. I, I, I don't know. To you, I would say you are a perfect candidate to receive God's mercy right now. You are a perfect candidate to receive his grace. And you are a perfect candidate for all of the potential that you have inside of you now to be unlocked. You and I are perfect candidates for that. That's why he came. And if he can use somebody as Mary to bring the Savior into the world, why can't he use you to bring people to the Savior? Stretch your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you so much. God, for this amazing day and this amazing time. Father, we thank you for speaking to us today. We thank you for being a promise keeper, for holding true to your word. And Father, our reasonable response to you would be to give you worship, would be to give you praise and to give you honor. Now, Father, may the potential that you have impregnated your people with come to fruition. And may your words be that catalytic thing that takes us from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Father, we love you today. Would you fill your people with your grace, with your strength, with your power? 
Father, where there's love that needs to be, Father, would you impregnate them with your love, with your peace, with your understanding, with your compassion and your strength. We thank you because you are the only wise God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen.